Hey guys, Pastor Philip Jackson here with Reach Tulsa. I'm really excited for this special edition of the Reach podcast, where I sit down with Hannah Tynes, a 19-year-old missionary to the nation of Zambia. God has done some incredible things in Hannah's life, and I hope you enjoy it. Here we go. I'm here with Hannah Tynes, and uh, Hannah is a young adult who's been serving overseas for for a while now, and... um, being obedient with what God's doing in her life and doing big things. Hannah, um, I know that there's a lot of young adults who feel God's call in their life to go do ministry or be involved in certain places. Um, why don't you tell us your story and kind of how you got where you are and what God has, has done in your life to get you where you are? Yeah, so I, um, whenever I was 15, I had this call to missions. I was at Falls Creek and... I went to the missions forum for the Go Students trips, and I was asking all kinds of questions, just super interested in what ministry looked like abroad. And during the service that night, I was sitting listening to the pastor, trying to focus, and all I could hear was just missions, just missions, missions, missions repeating in my head. And I was like, come on, God, I'm trying to focus on what the pastor's saying, and I can't hear anything because all I can hear is missions. <laughs> and and he go, and God says, no, you need to listen. So the next morning, I was like, pulled out my Bible study, and it had something to do with missions, the little devotion in the morning. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to flip to a random page in my Bible and put my finger down, and wherever it lands, if it has anything to do with missions, then I'll do it. So I opened up my Bible to Matthew 28 to write to the Great Commission, like put my finger down right where it says go. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, I guess this is it. So I... um. I went on a trip in 2017. Uh, I was 16 then, went on my first domestic trip to Portland, Oregon. Then the next year I went to Guatemala. And then in 2018, I graduated high school and started interning with a short-term missions organization while going um, to college for my first year. So started interning for this guy and he said what trips do you want to go on so i said romania and zambia so romania was over spring break zambia was in the summer i was going to go spend a week and a half in each place my romania trip ended up getting canceled because uh i was going to be the only one on it and i um the the travel to get there was a little bit difficult because it was a few flights and some sketchier places but to get to Zambia, he was like, you know what? I don't have enough for a team to go for the three weeks that you want to spend there because I moved my week and a half from Romania to extend my Zambia trip. And he said, you're just going to fly there by yourself and get there, be picked up by the missionaries there, and then spend the first two weeks with them. Then I'll fly out with my team of, I think it was him and his son, and then another man and his son and this other guy. So there were five of them that joined us later on. But I was there for two weeks with this missionary couple, Butch and Janet Burner, and they had been in Zambia for 25 years almost, and they were amazing. And getting to see what everyday missions looks like instead of going on a trip where you're going nonstop, building things, ministering every single day to where you're exhausted when you get on the plane and fly home, actually seeing what sustainable 
missions on the field looks like. Wake up in the morning, do your devotion, then you make props for kids ministry for a couple hours, and you prepare your lesson for um, tutoring the kids that come on the base later that day. So it was really calm couple weeks. And then whenever the rest of the team came, we were doing ministry. We went out to the village for a couple nights and stayed out there. Then we went to do all the tourist things and saw Victoria Falls and walked with lions and did all of the, the things in Zambia that are, that are so fun and tourist attractions. Um, and during my three weeks there, we went to church at Overland Missions Rapid 14 Base. So that's another missions organization in Zambia that holds church on their base every single Sunday. We went during their revival week, which was just crazy. And I had never been in a worship service like that before. I was like, oh my gosh, this is so exciting. And we were worshiping one, uh, one morning and I just heard God say, this is your home. And I was like, what do you mean this is, this is my home? Do you mean like Zambia? Do you mean overland? Do you mean Africa? Missions? What is it? So th the next night I, I prayed for hours and I heard him saying, this is, this is your home over and over again. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to find out what that looks like. So overland does a three month missions training and Whenever they told me about it the next week at church, I was like, that's what he's, that's what he's telling me to do, is this three months of missions training. So the next uh, day after church, I was battling with like, if I do this, I have to drop out of my classes. So maybe I'll do it next year. I'll do it after I've finished my associates, and then I'll do this missions training. And he said, your time is now. Why are you limiting my plans on your life and putting yourself in a box? And I was like, oh my gosh, my time is now. So I dropped out <laughs> of crazy. all of my classes. I called my parents and said, hey, I'm charging your credit card for 50 bucks for an application fee for this training and I'm gonna do it. And they were like, okay, that I guess. And I told them all that God had been saying to me and they were like, well, do it. See what happens. If you get accepted, then we'll know you're supposed to be doing it. So I applied while I was in Zambia, got accepted, did my interview in person on the base, got in. And so that was mid-June. I came home and had three weeks to fundraise, fundraise for my three months, hopped on a plane. Well, I did a week of kids camp, uh, went to Guatemala for a week, and then a week of youth camp in those three weeks. And then I had a month at home to get ready got ready, left in August, and then I was there till November, and had the same experience as of, of God saying, this is your home, whenever I went to the base where I live now in Zambia. I went for a week to stay with them and see what their ministry looked like long term, and I, I stepped out of the taxi that drove us there, and I heard God say it again, this is your home. So they, I had no intention. I live on a sustainable agriculture base. I had no intention to be farming. I wanted to do kids ministry and that's it. And then they're like, no, come to our base, come to our base. And I end up going to this base and I step out and hear that. And I was like, well, he was right last time. He's right this time. So they pulled us in that day and they were like, what are your intentions with sustain and coming to Batoka? And I was like, I think this is where I'm supposed to be. And they said, how long? And I said, 
I don't know why, but God's telling me five years. And they go, well, that's what we were thinking too. All right, go home and fundraise and come back and you'll be here. So we did the rest of the week, got to meet people in the community, get acquainted with the team on the base. Um, went home in November, started fundraising in January after I did my fundraising training and finished by May. Got on a plane in July, flew there and stayed there for six months this year. And then now I've been home for a couple months visiting family and I'm headed back in two weeks. Oh my gosh. Okay. I've got a ton of questions here. <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> okay, it is a lot. Um, okay. Let's start with, with getting there for the first time. Right. Mm -hmm. So you're how old? 18 years old? Yeah. 19 years old at that time? Something I like turned that. 18. I was a couple months into 18. <laughs> and so you're just like, okay, cool. I'm just going to get on this plane and fly to Africa. Because like, yeah. if you like the, the classic example of me surrendering my life to God is like, okay, if he tells me to go to Africa, you know, am mm -hmm. I going to be okay with that? But like you, you actually did that. So yeah. what was that like to, to get on a plane by yourself to fly halfway across the world? Where are you from originally? I'm from Coweta, Oklahoma. So okay, like so tiny town. <laughs> this, this, you know, 18 year old Coweta girl gets on an airplane to go to go to Africa. Yeah. What? I mean, try to think. What was what was going through your mind when you got on that plane? It was total peace. I got on the first plane and it was from Tulsa to Dallas. So it was like, oh, psh, easy, 45 minutes. The next one was to New York and so that was like four hour flight one of the I had been to Japan before so I knew what a long flight looked like to go to China but um but I was like okay no ease no no problem super easy getting to New York and then I had a 10 hour layover in the New York airport and nothing was open because it was from one o'clock to 10 o'clock in the morning Oof. so I'm just sitting there by myself I called my dad he told me to call him whenever I got settled so it was three o'clock in the morning and I call him and I'm like <laughs> hey dad I'm at the airport so um then I got on my plane and it was 16 hours to South Africa and I was in the worst seat possible against the bathroom like seat doesn't oh. recline just sitting there for 16 hours straight up and the lady next to me was going on a mission trip to Malawi. So I was on, I was in the same boat as her. We were talking. She ended up partnering with me during my fundraising season, and she supports me because we talked for 16 hours <laughs> in our terrible seats. <laughs> and so it flew by that first long flight, and then I had another couple-hour flight to Zambia, got off, and it, meeting Butch and Janet, there at the airport, it was like, oh, this is no biggie. Like there, it was normal having, um, it wasn't a big culture shock yet because I had Americans come pick me up. I had Americans to talk to all the way on the flight. And then during that few weeks was whenever it started to finally adapt into like, oh, I'm in a new place. And there's so much different here than even going to Guatemala. I mean, it was it was completely different, but it wasn't the, the travel there was kind of easy because I didn't have much to adapt to as far as culture goes or yeah. whatever. So, but it was definitely a big jump to do that travel by myself. But if, if I thought that I couldn't do it, I wouldn't, but I was like, you know what, this is where I'm supposed to be. God's going to have me the whole way. And we made it with no problems. Oh my goodness. Okay, so let's talk about your parents. So you go on this mission trip and you 
then you call your parents and you're like, Hey, this is where God wants you to be. Them being like, okay, cool. Well, that sounds awesome. That to me, that blows my mind. What kind of people are your parents? They are, my mom's crazy in that she's just <laughs> like, I'm trusting whatever God says. And of course, like calling them and saying, I'm going to do this three month training. My mom was like, wait, hold on a second. You said you were going there for three weeks and now you're saying you're going back for three months. And I was like, yeah, that's what I'm supposed to do. So she prayed about it and she woke up one morning in the middle of the night and God had given her scripture she was supposed to read. So she read John 14 and she messaged me that day with those scriptures. And I was like, why did you send me these? And she goes, because I woke up in the middle of the night and I had these scriptures. Well, she didn't know that that day I had gotten a Bible study from the next door neighbor um, on John 14. And so the exact scriptures that she sent me were the key verses for the Bible study that I was doing that day. And so I told her, hey, I had those verses in my Bible study. And she goes, oh, well, I know you're supposed to go. That was the confirmation that I needed from God to know that this is, this is what you're supposed to do. So that was her moment. My dad took a little bit longer cause it was like, my daughter is going yeah. for three months, but he's always wanted me to travel. He was in the Navy for 20 years, left the, left his house whenever he was 18 and traveled all over the world. So he always wanted that for me and my siblings. So whenever I said I was going, he was like, okay, this is definitely going to take some getting used to, but this is what we've prepared you for your whole growing up. So they That's were, amazing. I mean, within the first couple of weeks, my mom was selling plants out of her pond to make money for my mission trip. <laughs> like doing, talking to random customers in their business about like, oh, our daughter's going to Africa to be a missionary. Do you want to give some money? And people would be like, oh, that's great. Here's 20 bucks. So my mom and dad have been advocates for the whole thing for me while I was gone. That's incredible. So you mentioned that you have an agriculture base there. Mm -hmm. Tell me about that. What does that mean? So we teach this program called Farming God's Way. So it's taking you back to the basics of using the materials that God gives you and relying on him for prov for provision, for providing everything that you need from food to resources to plant in your garden, everything. Um, so we do programs, we go out for three days at a time, stay in the bush, we camp out and have all of our meals with people from the community and spend those three days getting to know the leadership in the community, uh, keeping our eyes open for Timothys that are out there that are just ready to have someone disciple them. And, um, and then we connect them with resources that are in those communities so that they can get plugged into ministry and have some leadership opportunities. And then we do two-week trainings on our base with those people we find in those communities that are looking for leadership. They come on and we do two weeks of in-depth farming God's way training. We do animal husbandry on how to keep uh keep livestock and we do ministry classes on how to be a minister in your area to those people. So our base is predominantly Zambians. We have about 75% Zambian population. There's um, four Americans and then we fluctuate between what staff is on base, but we'll have up to at some points when we have students, we'll have 25, 30 Zambian staff and, and students on our base. And so we were 
Our entire organization is about raising up local leadership, but our base is where all of the other surrounding bases in Zambia send their people to be trained. So we do three-week trainings out in, or three-day trainings out in the village. We do two-week trainings on our base. And then for those people that are being discipled by uh, missionaries in their area, they send them to us for a four-month training. And then it's the same mission training that I went through, only adapted to Zambian. So it takes out that westernizing aspect of it, of trying to adapt to Western culture or trying to adapt to this new culture you're being thrown into mm -hmm. and instead focuses on kingdom culture, bringing everything that they've learned growing up in this culture that's tainted by witchcraft and bringing into this is what the Bible says about it and teaching them to be ministers. And when they leave this four-month training, they are co-ministers with us in the areas. They are um, not just translators, they're actually ministers at the same time. So whenever we have our people come from America or from Europe to come on two-week trips in Zambia for a mission trip, they are the translators. And a lot of times people think, oh, they're just translators that they found, but they'll, I've been sitting there with them, they're translating what I'm saying, and then they go on for 10 minutes more because they have some ministering that they want to do. And then they relay it and they're like, yeah, I told him that Jesus is great. And I'm like, no, you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> you were preaching. And they're like, yeah. But after seeing the background of like, they're trained up four months just like I am. So whenever I'm fired up about a subject, they get fired up about it too. And they just, they just go and they have that, um, that blessing of being able to speak the language of the people they're ministering to. So they can just, they can just go after them. And it's, it's awesome to see those ministers being empowered in feeling like they're part of the team because they are just as much of the team as, as we are. And they come from the area. I mean, they have this, he, it is just a huge blessing of being able to minister to the people that they have so much in common with because they grew up around the same culture and they can make connections where we can't make connections because we're not as familiar. So it's it's really cool. That's amazing. So if, if you were to, you're two, three years into this journey, mm -hmm. right, that God's been uh, taking you on. Yeah. What... Um, what would you say has been a, I know you probably have learned a lot of lessons over the last several years, but has there been a theme of what God's been showing you as you've been walking this out? Is there, is there kind of an overarching life lesson, um, discipline, something that has stood out to you? What, what has that looked like for you on your personal relationship with the Lord? Yeah, so one thing that's really been sticking out is is listening for his voice. That was that was not really a practice that I had been in. It had been a lot of um, messaging him almost like, I'm gonna send you this message of what, it was like a message in a bottle. I'm gonna send this to you and see what you have to do about it. And then I'm gonna figure out in my life what's going on. But I was waiting on that response to come in a neat package of, oh, I have this note of this list of things that he wants me to do so that I can be in his will, which was this, this mindset that I had before instead of, I'm going to go to him because I have the privilege to go before him personally and talk to him and have this relationship with him, actually speak with him about these things 
And not only is he going to listen, but he's going to mess, he's going to, he's going to respond to me right away and tell me yes, no, or amen. I mean, he's going to tell me this, continue on with this, or you need to reevaluate what you're doing, or you're right where you're right where you're at. And, um, and so throughout this journey, it's been like, am I supposed to move to Zambia? I'm not, me- I'm not sending him this request and then asking him to fundraise all of my funds for me so that I'll know I'm waiting for that yes. And then once he says yes, I go full force towards what I know he's called me to. And so, so tuning my ears to be able to hear his voice and hear what he has to say and then seeing the evidence of being right in the middle of his will through all of the things he's brought me through, it's been amazing. And, um, so yeah, listening, listening to his voice and then trusting that he'll provide for it. So if he's called me to Zambia, he's going to provide everything that I need to get there. He's going to provide the connections and people that I need to get there. He, he brings people into my life, like the, the lady on the plane that I had no idea, but she said, that she knew I've mess in messaging her later. She's like, in that moment, whenever I was talking to you, I knew you were, this is where you're supposed to be. And so she had been watching my Facebook for a year and a half. And then I call her and I'm like, Hey, I'm fundraising to move to Zambia. And she goes, yeah, I know. I've been watching you. I knew. And I was like, okay. And she goes, all right. So it was like those, those divine connections that he put in my life. It's like, I had no idea he was doing that and even in the sustainable agriculture area of I didn't want to be there but he knew that's where I was going to be all along and in the first couple weeks of my missions training I had been reading psalms and there was a psalm that stuck out to me and it says um, he sustaineth me so we were doing this journal making night and I got a typewriter and I typed out he sustains me on the piece of paper, glued it to the back of my journal, and then wrote in that journal for my entire missions training. Then I end up joining the sustain part of Overland. And for the first six weeks of my missions training, I had no idea where I was supposed to be. I was like, everybody's saying, I'm called to Congo. I'm called to um, Cambodia. I'm called to Brazil. And I'm like, I have no idea what I'm supposed to do. I just know I want to do kids ministry. And then I end up joining sustain. And then I look back at my journal after this three month training and I go, he knew from the beginning, he put that Psalm on my heart and I wrote down, he sustains me. And it just didn't click till right now that I'm reading it. Like he knew this all along. Why didn't I just trust him? And why was I worried for six weeks of, I have no idea what's going on in my life. He knew the entire time he was just waiting for me to like give it up because during that six week point, I was like, you know what? I'm just giving it to you. Like, I don't know where I'm supposed to be. I don't know what the heck I'm doing. Just do something, make everything line up so that I know exactly where I'm supposed to be. And then looking back, I'm like, I should have done that the day that I wrote that down in my journal. Like, why did I go through six weeks of like, oh my gosh, I need to plan my life just perfectly. So it's just, it's cool to look back and see like, he had this all lined out from the beginning. It was me that was like struggling and trying to figure it out myself because that's the kind of person that I tend to be most of the time. (laughs) But he had it, 
he had it planned from the beginning. I think that's amazing. Did, so if you were to, um, I got a couple other questions I want to ask yeah. you. Um, if you were to talk to someone who has been, you know, the, the, the question that we have all the time or that I get all the time in young adult ministry is, you know, what's God's will for my life? We, in our, at our, in our reach ministry, we talk about the trajectory, right? There's the, this assumption that, yeah. okay, well, my life is going to, is going to go in stages. And so I'm going to graduate high school and then I'm going to go get my degree. And then once mm -hmm. I get my degree, then I'm probably going to get married. Then once I get married, then I'm going to have children. I'll start a career, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And that, and that God kind of has this, these, uh, signposts of progress, right? And so when things don't work out the way that, that <laughs> we've built these expectations, Right. It's like, well, what if I don't finish college? Yeah. What if I get married before I get a degree? What if I, you know, what if I get married and then I get divorced because of, because of a whole bunch of different reasons? Um, yeah. you know, what can God do with my life? And there's kind of this, this, uh, this unspoken challenge and expectations that we've set that are false, yeah. you know, that we call it the, tra the trajectory, right? What happens when the trajectory doesn't go according to plan? <laughs> um, what would you tell uh, other young adults who are looking at their life? They're in, maybe in their late teens, early 20s, and or who knows, maybe in the, even in their early 30s. Yeah. And they're trying to figure out, okay, this elusive call on my life. You, you make it sound like it's like this crystal clear thing <laughs> that happens to you. Um, what would you say to other young adults that are, that are trying to figure out what God has for them? Yeah, so I think that it definitely takes that giving up of your plans because it dropping out of my college classes my my dad was always like you are going to go to business school and you're going to get a degree in international business because I wanted to travel and um and so I had all the perfect professors I had been researching on rate my professor for weeks got all the perfect classes at the perfect times to work around my work schedule and then to hear this from God saying, why do you put yourself in a box? Why do you limit my plan for your life? And having to go and mess up everything that I had planned, go drop out of all of those classes and then say, oh yeah, I'm gonna fundraise for $7,000 in three weeks because that's what God's telling me to do. It took like, you know what, I have, if, if you're saying I'm putting myself in a box, why would I settle for anything less than you're going to do with me? And it just took saying yes, seeing that opportunity of it grew from, from a three-week trip to a three-month trip to a six-month trip to now nine months. It just took saying yes every time, just saying, okay, I'm down on my knees praying, trying to figure out what the next step in my life is. And I hear him say something, yes, I'm going to do it. It may be going up and talking. This is part of my story was I was sitting in the pews and this guy that I had the short-term missions um, internship with, he was at the front of the church and I was 17 years old and I heard, I just felt like I needed to go talk to him. And I went up and talked to him and then we were friends on Facebook and then I got the internship and then it went from there of just go say hi to the person, introduce yourself, go intern with them, even though it's a, uh, it's going to be another job. I had three jobs during my first year of college. It's going to be another job that you add on, but there may be an opportunity. Then say yes to going on a trip. Say yes to 
being willing to fundraise for that, even though you're working these many jobs and you're going to school full time. Say yes to the three month missions. Say yes to him saying, this is the call that I have on your life is missions, full time missions or whatever, whatever path that you're pursuing and that you know you're supposed to be pursuing. It just takes that simple yes and being willing to flip your plan that you had for your life completely on its head because ultimately you're not going to be happy. You're not going to be fulfilled in your life unless you're where God wants you to be, unless you're following God's plan for your life. You may be happy for a short while, but you're eventually going to be like, man, this isn't what I'm supposed to be doing. And it may have been three opportunities ago that God had said, you should do this. And you said, no. And then after that, you're trying to play catch up to, to get to this, um, what you think God's will for your life is. But ultimately it's, it really is just laying down everything that you have and taking one step. It's not, oh, if I take this one step, it could lead to, to me getting the CEO position. It could be one step, you're cleaning toilets at this business and then eventually you, you build up to be the, the head honcho. But it's, it's just that first step, just saying yes, starting that journey, just listening for his voice every step of the way and he's going he's gonna to lead you every time. I hope that was what you No, that's perfect. For. That's awesome. Um, what would you say to, like, let's talk about your parents a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So, like, the people um, that are in your life, right, the people that, that young adults have in their life, whether it's parents or mentors or friends or, or colleagues or whatever, um, what would you say to the people that, um, that are in the position where, one of their loved ones has been called to do something, take that next step. Mm-hmm. And it's a little extreme. It may be a little out of their comfort zone. Um, how would you, um, what would you tell those, those people who are supporters in their life? Like how would you, um, what words would you have for them? Yeah. So I was at first pretty insensitive to what my parents thought about it because I was like, I was kind of in that in that sweet spot of I'm in Zambia right now. I'm in Africa and that's what my mom was worried about was like she's in Africa right now trying to decide make decisions. <laughs> she's going to do whatever sh- her heart is leading her to do. Follow your heart whatever. But for my for my mom, it was seeking the Lord on my behalf, just being like God, she's saying she wants to do this thing. I need you to to give me peace about this situation. And if you try to do it in your own wisdom, if you're trying to support them with your own wisdom of, oh yeah, I don't think that's the best plan for your life. You said you were gonna do college for four years and now you're trying to change your plan. Don't question God's call on their life. Go to God yourself and be in that conversation and be listening for what he has to say about their situation. Because the worst thing that you could do is try to disqualify what they feel like God is, is telling them to do. Because whenever you have that, that doubt surrounding you, it makes it that much harder to listen and be able to give your yes to God whenever he calls you to something. If, if you're trying to fit them into your box, it's just that one more thing that they have to break through before they 
they have peace about what they're doing because it's not easy if if God's calling you to missions or God's calling you to quit your job and and start your own oh goodness start your your own path of of discovering this new territory um it's it's hard to give up what you've what you've been working towards and change your path. And then if you have another person that you trust and that you love and that's been supporting you through this journey, start making you question this change that you feel God is leading you to. It's just going to make it that much harder to give up your plan and give up what you thought was the right thing to do. I think that was one thing that my mom was very wise in doing was she's saying that God's calling her to this. I'm not going to blatantly tell her no that's not what you're supposed to be doing because you've laid out this plan we've laid out this plan of what you're going to be doing through college she went to God and said she's telling me that this is what you're telling her I'm going to seek the Lord on this and um and that's where she found peace that's where she knew that I was um, I was in the right place and I was, I was going in the trajectory that God wanted me to be going in, not what we had been planning and what we had spent hours of, of deciding what classes I would take and what degree I would pursue. It was, it took her seeking the Lord on my behalf, figuring out what, what he was saying was true for me and my dad, the same. I mean, he, he was the one pushing for, for going to college, finishing my degree, because um, he, he went to back to school later in life, in his, in his 20s, after he already had kids. And so he was like, it's really hard to get back into college if you decide after a few years that missions isn't your thing. It's going to be hard to go back and get your degree. And I said, no, like, this is what, this is what God's telling me to do. And he said, okay, well... If, if that's what he's telling you to do, he prayed about it and he had that peace of she's in the right place at the right time. This is what he's calling her to. So it it's definitely not your it's it's not my parents decision where I where I go with my life, but they definitely have an influence on the decisions that I make. And I want them to be supportive of me. I definitely don't want to feel like they don't support me, but ultimately whatever God tells me to do, I'm going to do. And it's their responsibility to seek the Lord on that and, um, and to give me wisdom after they've seek the, after they've been seeking the Lord and they've heard from him, um, or been, or had confirming, um, confirming scriptures, or if they've had some questions after they've been seeking the Lord, and they're like, um, I think you need to think through this a little bit more, but that's the first step, is going to, going to God about it before you start questioning and trying to bring, rein that person back into, into the box. Um, so what kind of ministry, so when you get, you got to Zambia, and you started, started working, Mm -hmm. What does the day-to-day life look like for you? Like, what what kind of things are you doing in the field? So I do, so my week, I'll just kind of go through a week. So Sunday, we have church on our base. That may look like 
going out to the village and having church at one of the local churches or holding church on our own base or listening to a podcast because we're working on book binding for our students or something but we have we have church on Sunday then Monday is I hold a kids ministry training so it's not with children it's with adults I bring adults from the churches surrounding our our base and start building them up so that they can be kids ministers in their own churches and uh, building this foundation of the gospel in uh, simple concepts for them to pass on to the children uh, not watering down the gospel because that's often what we do in kids ministry is make it easier for them to understand but we forget that they have the same holy spirit that we do as adults and making the gospel any weaker or trying to water it down for them is not going to help them we need to give them the full meat of the gospel in bite-sized chunks that they can understand. So that's kind of what we we uh, teach the, the kids' ministry students. So that was a ministry that I took on, and a couple of our, our staff helped me with translating and everything. And then Tuesday through Thursday kind of depends on what week it is. We go out and do Farming God's Way trainings then. We'll go out to the bush and stay Tuesday through Thursday. If not, it's administrative work. Um, we have building projects going on on our base all the time, so sometimes it's helping out with that or preparing for teaching a class the next week for our four-month missions train trainees. Um, I, I got to help teach a couple classes and then teach one um, for myself this year. And then Fridays, most of the time, is catching up on personal finance stuff, personal admin, um, getting ready for the next week doing any kind of logistical planning for the next week of, oh, I need to go to town, I need to have this vehicle on this day to go. Um, and then Saturday is a chill day. <laughs> we normally have movie marathons. <laughs> I love that. So if um, if somebody wanted to help you out, they're, here, they're hearing about your ministry, what God's doing in your life, and they want to be a part of that, what are, what are some ways that they can get connected with you or maybe partner with you and um, just get involved? Yeah, so one of the, the aspects that I'm in need of right now at the moment is financial support. So I had some partners drop off uh, this last year. Um, so I have $400 a month that I need to be bringing in. Uh, so if you want to financially partner with me, I can give you my contact information and put it on there for people to reach out. My email address is Hannah, H-A-N-N-A-H, Tynes, T-Y-N-E-S, at overlandmissions.com. And you can email me on that and I'll show you how to set it up online. Um, I'd love to, I mean, I only have a little bit left home to meet in person, but I'd love to FaceTime you or get con connected with you on Facebook. Um, any, anything like that to put a face to who you're partnering with. And then I could always use prayer support. I mean, prayer is what shakes nations and prayer is what moves the hearts of people. So be praying for my ministry, be praying for the people of Zambia, be praying for the trainees that we're pouring to on our base every, every season. And for the people that are going on the trips through 
our organization and any missions organization really be um, be an intercession over the nations because looking at statistics, I was just looking last night, three billion people haven't heard the name of Jesus. I mean, there's people out there trying to reach the absolute ends of the earth to people who haven't heard the name of Jesus. So be be praying for the nations, be praying for the people who are going out into the nations, not just me or my organization, but everyone who's trying to take the gospel out. Um, yeah, so prayer support. And then if you ever want to go on a trip or come see what ministry in Zambia looks like or anything, contact me. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. Uh, find me at Hannah Tynes and you can, we can get connected in person or online and we can just talk about what what your call is or what you're feeling like God is leading you towards uh, in the scope of missions. I love it. Well, and I'll be sure to put uh, your contact info on the yeah. description for the podcast and also um, your social media stuff so people can find you. Um, but Hannah, thank you so much for sitting down with me and yeah, talking about what God's me. doing. Um, I am so encouraged to hear your testimony and what God's doing. And um, for whoever listens, whoever hears what God has, uh, has, has done in your life uh, through this recording, I just, I, I really pray that um, it's an encouragement to them yeah. and to not forget that, that God does do incredible things and he continues to use young adults like you to change the world. Absolutely. So. You don't even have to be 20 to be in missions. I'm 19. Look at that. What? You got to even use teenagers. <laughs> exactly. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Who would have thought? The worst of the worst. <laughs> <laughs>